Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Bravo Tea with Jared B. I'm your host, Jared B. And we have approached Friday, even though it is Thursday as I record this, Thursday night to be specific. But we have made it to the weekend. I hope you guys are ready. This episode includes the Real Housewives of New Jersey, the Real Housewives of Orange County, and part three, the finale of Vanderpump Rules. And there was a lot to say this episode. So let's get right into it. Let's get into the Real Housewives of New Jersey. This is season 13, episode 18, The Reunion Part 2. Before I break this down, I have to say I really enjoyed Part 2 of this reunion. I don't know how Andy does it. He has the patience of a saint because, Lord have mercy, I would have shut the building down. Now, the first time I watched this part of the reunion was the day before. And I was kind of shocked and appalled and disgusted because everyone was so vicious and yelling over each other and throwing petty and childish jabs at each other. But second time watching, I was able to really just sit back and enjoy the show, which is why I watch the episodes twice usually. And usually the second time watching is when I take my notes. So this reunion part two continues with Teresa accusing Melissa and Joe of being the reason why Teresa and Joe Judice went to prison. Because according to Teresa, Melissa and Joe became friendly with Joe Judice's former business partner. Melissa denies this, though. She says, we don't know him. But one thing I clocked, I don't know if you did too, Melissa says, why would we do that at the time? That makes no sense. Now, I'm asking myself, what does she mean by that? Like, is she saying that after the fact, years later, they became buddy-buddy with Joe Judice's former business partner? Or, you know, in retrospect, they probably should have become friends with Joe Judice's former business partner? Um, I don't know if anyone caught that, especially at the reunion. I don't think Andy caught it. But I would have latched onto that comment and asked her to explain further. Um, But I have to admit that I do love Melissa Gorga uh, in this reunion. Her performance is spectacular. I have never seen Melissa Gorga clocked in like this. She has lowered her level to the petty BS that Teresa brings to the reunions. Uh, she, She stooped to a very childish level, and I have to admit that I enjoyed watching it. Thank you, Melissa. You earned your check this season and I look forward to seeing possibly seeing what you bring to next season because Teresa thinks that you are about to hit the road Jack and Andy is letting her know that's what you think baby girl Teresa you are a cast member Andy is the Barbara Walters of Bravo he is the executive producer of the Royal Housewives he is the final say so if a housewife is to be hired, demoted, or fired. So I would back off, Teresa. I would back off feeling like, you know, you're hot and you're in the moment and that you're the star of the show and think that you can call the shots and think that your sister-in-law will be fired because you want that to happen. Think again. 
think again, because like Andy said at the end of this episode, you see how that's happened before. So (laughs) Melissa also clocks in to Teresa when she says, we didn't commit mortgage fraud, you did. Then Melissa reads a nasty text about Teresa that Jacqueline Lorita sent to Jackie Goldsnyder. Okay, this is where I have to back away from Melissa Gorga because I'm like, she shouldn't have been the one to read this. If I were Melissa Gorga, I would have called up my girl Margaret and been be like, listen, I can't be the one to reveal this on the reunion because if I do, it makes me look bad. But maybe Melissa Gorga was like Evan at this point. Evan looking bad, Evan being cordial, trying to be cordial, trying to keep the peace and air quotes. Um, also, maybe Jackie could have, you know, revealed this text, but I don't think it was a good look that Melissa was the one that read this text to Teresa. It just doesn't look good. It doesn't look good. Um, And then you even see Dolores say, uh, she's like, Melissa, this is bad for you, Melissa. You're going down. I think that was a Long Island accent. Excuse me. I was channeling Jill Zarin in that moment. So we get to Rachel Fuda's story. Uh, Rachel talks about being a mother and having children and filming The Housewives. And Rachel Fuda says that she'd rather hire someone to clean and do laundry than take care of her kids because she'd rather just spend the time with her kids. And Andy, in that moment, she says, oh, you're making me feel bad. Don't feel bad, Andy. You're a single father. You're doing the best that you can. You're running a multi-million dollar franchise. You were keeping me entertained. You were building a legacy for your children. You were doing the best you can. And one day, your children will be able to look back and see that you indeed have done the best you can. Um, Rachel Fuda admits that John Fuda got liposuction. Fun fact. I wonder how John Fuda feels about that being revealed. I don't know if most men want people to know that they got liposuction. I think most men want to pretend that, you know, they hit it hard at the gym and they got ripped. I got ripped, dude. Ripped. And so this argument continues or starts between Rachel Fuda and Jen Aiden about nose jobs. Ridiculous. Nothing more to mention there. But then Rachel Aiden, Rachel Aiden, Jen Aiden accuses Rachel Fuda of having a finsta and calls her Bravo Lover 1234. Let me tell you something. Jen Aiden sometimes get on my ner- gets on my nerves. Sometimes Jen Aiden can be very messy, but Jen Aiden stays clocked in and ready to come back at any comment that comes her way. Even if the comment that she brings back is a little ridiculous, because sometimes Jen Aiden can be performative, comical, silly, and childish. Childish being the key word with a lot of these shows that we watch. Uh, you know, I, I, I've realized after years of watching shows on Bravo, to be a successful reality star, you have to realize that how you are perceived is not how you perceive yourself. You know what I mean by that? Like, Jen Aiden might perceive herself to be one way, but we see another, and she gets called out on it, and then she just, like, lashes out. But it's entertaining, and that's why Jen Aiden is a great Real Housewife of New Jersey. But I have to say, I don't think Andy likes Jen Aiden. 
I think that Andy sees her as valuable to the show. I believe she's valuable to the show. But I think Andy Cohen finds Jen Aiden annoying. Rachel Fuda asks, when will she stop talking? And Andy replied, she'll run out of gas soon. That comment makes me think that he is not too fond of Jen Aiden. Then Rachel reveals that the birth mother of Jaden, Rachel's stepson, was tracked down by Louie, and that's why she started speaking out to blogs. I want to point out that this is the first accusation in this part two of the reunion about Louie. Uh, digging dirt, contacting people, threatening people. Louie, it's, it's, looking, it's, it's looking crazy. And I feel crazy that Teresa doesn't think it's crazy. Like, at this point... Louie is pooping red flags out the wazoo and Teresa's like, don't pop my effing love bubble. (laughs) Teresa, pop that shit. Open your eyes. Your man... (sighs) I'm just afraid that Teresa's going to learn this lesson the hard way and we're going to see her taken down by Louie Rulas, a.k.a. Rulala. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry for that rant. Rachel, um, yeah, like I said, Rachel reveals that the mer- birth mother of Jaden, Rachel's stepson, was tracked down by Louis. Teresa denies it. Um, Louis did this to himself. I want everyone to know, and I want to make that clear. When you're on a show... And we see in the finale episode when Louis says that I contacted Bo Deedle, I contacted a private investigator, and I have dirt on all the ladies on this cast. And then all of a sudden, Rachel, Rachel Fuda's uh, stepson's mother comes out the woodwork. And then all of a sudden, Margaret Joseph's son or child, she didn't say son, she said child, is getting threatening calls from Louis at work. Come on, Teresa, open your eyes. This is not looking good. But Louis did this to himself. He opened up Pandora's box and now everyone is going to accuse him of everything possible. And at this point, I'm like, well, it seems like it could be true. Am I crazy? Am I crazy for feeling this way? And then Teresa and Melissa share some more nasty jabs. So then we get to the friends of segment that turns into just a bigger segment. Jen Fessler and Jackie Goldschneider, they join the ladies at the reunion. I have to say that I love me some Jen Fessler. She was funny. She she shared her story, provided quite a name drop this season, which we she revealed years ago. She hooked up with James Gandolfini. Uh, she reveals that she's had a facelift, a nose job. She's lost some weight. Jen Fessler is looking good. Hot mama. She's gone full housewife. And Andy points that out. Jen Fessler uh, got some blowback for revealing that she slept with James Gandolfini years ago. I understand the bro- the blow... Messing up my words. Messing up my words. Breathe, Jared. Take it easy. Take your time. There's no rush. People want to hear you. Okay. 
I'm better. Um, so I believe that Jen Fessler, she was funny this season. She shared her story. Um, she was open. She was vulnerable. And I don't feel like she was trying too hard to have a moment on television. I think Jen Fessler was a perfect friend of. If there are any future or current friends of any Housewife franchise out there, take a look at Jen Fessler's performance on this season of The Real Housewives of New Jersey. Um, Jen Fessler got some blowback for revealing she slept with James Gandolfini years ago. Now, I do understand the blowback. Even though I enjoyed hearing this story, James Gandolfini is no longer with us. If you live on a, under a rock, he has died a couple of years ago. But he is not here to answer for this. And he still has a family. So I understand why people are like, this was a little tasteless to reveal this on national television. Jackie Goldschneider is looking hot. I love me some Jackie. I know people out there feel like Jackie Goldschneider was a boring housewife. Blah, blah, blah. A lot of people like to talk about so-and-so is a boring housewife. Let me, let me explain something. Not every housewife can be explosive. Not every housewife can be a Nini, a Portia, a Kenya, a Marlo, a Giselle, uh, a Candace. You know what I mean? You know where I'm going? Some housewives just have to have their feet firmly planted on the ground and seem normal. Because you need at least one person on the cast that people can relate to, that people can aspire to, that people can be inspired by. So I don't believe that Jackie Goldschneider was a boring housewife. I believe that she brought a lot to her full-time position as a friend house. As a friend house. As a, as a friend of. <laughs> but Jackie is looking hot. She's looking healthy. And I'm happy that she is succeeding in her recovery. But if I'm going to be honest, her position as a friend of fell flat. I felt like she felt insecure about being demoted to a friend of and felt the need to take jabs at Danielle when, honestly, you probably should have come in and befriended her because that would have gotten you more camera time. And when you came for Danielle and her shorts, that's when Danielle was not including you in events that she was planning. So, what's the future for Jackie Goldschneider? I don't know. I can see Jen Fessler coming back as a friend of again. Um, I don't know about Jackie. I don't know about Jackie. Then Melissa and Teresa start making jabs at each other again. I don't need to recap that. Uh, then Teresa says that she doesn't like strippers, but likes Channon Tatum, um, but did not pronounce his name correctly. Um, and if you have been watching Teresa for as long as I have, you know that Teresa does not say much correctly, but she means well. She tries, but, you know, the ingredients in her head don't really add up. <laughs> um, Andy mentions the hypocrisy of Marge, her tagline being, I make a better friend, but I make a lethal enemy. But got mad that Jen Aiden and Teresa said it. I'm glad Andy pointed out that hypocrisy. Marge says that she just didn't like it that Jen Aiden and Teresa were making her out to be a bad person, a terrible person. But Marge, 
let's take a look in the mirror, girl. You do make a lethal enemy. You make a formidable enemy, as Jackie Goldsnyder, you know, she confirmed. She said it, sitting right next to you. Um, Listen, I would not want to go up against Margaret Joseph because it seems like anyone that gets on her bad side, Margaret has information on them. Margaret is getting DMs from blogs. Margaret, I believe, is getting information from outside sources and using it when the time comes, if someone betrays her. We've seen it. Marge, stop denying it. We see it. And own it. You know, Jen Aiden owns her mass. Margaret denies her mass. And I would love it, and I think people would accept Margaret Joseph's more if she just owned her shady behavior on the Real Housewives of New Jersey. Do you understand where I'm coming from? Do you understand where I'm going with this? Um, Jane, Jen Aiden admits that she contacted Marge's former bestie, Laura, the lady so desperate to be on the show, in retaliation to Marge revealing on the show two years ago that Ben Aiden had an affair. Like I said, I like that Jen Aiden admits the Grammy thing she does. Marge should take a page out of Jen Aiden's book when it comes to admitting that you played a dirty game filming the season. And we also find out, kind of a bombshell, that Jen Aiden already called Melissa Gorga about the cheating rumor that came from Laura. Did you see the look on Danielle's face? Shocked. Shocked. And I honestly, I hope she feels dumb. When Danielle came up to Jen Aiden at the finale party and told her, I'm going to tell Melissa about the cheating rumor. Jen Aiden could have said, don't worry about that. She already knows we've had a conversation. It's not worth it. But Jen Aiden wanted this Melissa rumor to come out on the show. I know Teresa is adamant about saying she has nothing to do with it. But let's be honest. Jen Aiden is Teresa's fall guy. Jen Aiden has the loyalty of Teresa. Teresa has the loyalty of Jen Aiden. They are aligned. Teresa does not want to be accused of doing things, especially about Melissa and Joe. So guess who does it? Jen Aiden does it. And then Jen Aiden takes the fall for it. On behalf of Teresa... And then Danielle, in my opinion, was dumb at the finale party to offer up herself as a sacrifice to take the fall for Jen Aiden and Teresa. And I say that Danielle was dumb to do that because you're a first-time housewife. You have everything to lose at this point and nothing to gain. Think about it. How many... First-time housewives have we've seen come and go. They last one season. They don't last a season. They last maybe two, three seasons, and we never see them again. So in my opinion, why, why would you take the fall for Jen Aiden and Teresa when they have nothing to lose and everything to gain? And Danielle, you had everything to lose and nothing to gain. Danielle says she doesn't feel set up. She doesn't feel like a pawn. Danielle asks, did you guys set me up? Really, Danielle? Did you think you were going to get an honest answer? 
Melissa blames Teresa for having a conversation with Melissa without Melissa present. I, I back Melissa up on that. Melissa is not like some wife of like two years, five years, even 10 years. Melissa and Joe have been together for over 20 years. So to invite your brother and not your brother-in-law about a rumor of Melissa hooking up, making out with a guy in the back of a car, it's shady. It's shady. And if I were Melissa, I would be upset at Teresa. And I would also believe that Teresa had something to do with this rumor coming out on the show. And if you're listening, you think that I am defending Melissa too much and going in on Teresa too much. I just want you to know that I'm not on anyone's side. I'm on Team Jared. I just want to watch a good show. But I also want cast members that take accountability accountability for their actions. And Teresa does not take accountability for her actions. Melissa kind of doesn't take responsibility for her actions. Melissa's sleuthiness is more behind the scenes and Teresa's sleuthiness is more in your face. Do you understand where I'm coming from with this? Please don't come at me. I don't have a problem with Teresa. All the Teresa stands, stand down because I'm going to call the beehive. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so like I said, I believe that Jen Aiden is the fall guy for Teresa. And the interesting thing is Danielle didn't call out Jen Aiden and Teresa for using her. What a moment that was to realign yourself and go after two prominent figures on the cast to be like, why would you guys use me like that? Why would you use me to go against your sister-in-law? Why would you use me as a pawn to reveal something so damaging about a marriage on the show? And Danielle, she dropped that. She dropped the ball. She had an opportunity to do this and really, like, stand out for herself. Like, really have a standout performance. Because if that would have happened, I wouldn't have expected it. And she might have lost that battle with Jen Aiden and Teresa, but I would have I would have respected Danielle for it. I would have respected her for that. Because she could have carried that into the next season. This beef with Jen Aiden and Teresa. And honestly, who would have had her back? Rachel Fuda would have had her back. Melissa Gorga would have had her back. Who else? Margaret Josephs would have had her back. So that's why I feel like Danielle did not do her a service, herself a service this season by blindly falling on the sword for Teresa and Jen Aiden. I'm sorry it took me so long to articulate that. I'm so sorry. So then Teresa and Melissa start jo- throwing jabs again. Andy gets angry and yells, stop, but they continue. Andy says, they're looking like fucking kindergartners. And then we get an unfiltered moment from Andy Cohen. It does not happen often. I do think Andy often shows biases against like certain people on casts, especially on Housewives. But you hear Andy say, you don't grow 
and you don't evolve. And I've really never heard Andy Cohen give his personal opinion about a housewife. He's played Switzerland. I've listened and read to Andy's books. I have listened to Not All Diamonds and Rosé. Andy plays Switzerland with a lot of housewives. So to hear her say, to hear him say about Melissa and Teresa, you don't grow, you don't evolve. That was quite a moment from Andy Cohen. And I agree with him. Teresa says that she can't wait to not see her face after today. Her being Melissa. Andy says, okay. But you know how that goes. Andy, let her know. Let her know, Andy. Let her know she is merely a cast member. You have the final say. Let her know, Andy. Let her know. Barbara Walters, a bravo. Jen Aiden says that. Bill Aiden went to the guest house. We get to, you know, the Jen Aiden relationship portion of this long segment. Jen Aiden says that Bill Aiden went to the guest house after work to exhale, to have a breather after having a long day being a plastic surgeon, knowing he's coming home to his wife, his kids, the dog, the in-laws, and possibly cameras for the Real Housewives of New Jersey. Okay, I guess that's a valid reason to not come and greet your family and say hello to your kids after a long day at work. I'm not a plastic surgeon. I'm not married with kids with a whole gang of people living in a mansion in New Jersey. That is not me. I'm not Bill Aiden. Bill Aiden is not me, if you know what I mean. But if that is true, how come Bill Aiden did not say that when having a conversation with Jen Aiden about the fact that Bill goes to the guest house after work? That's all Bill Aiden had to say. But Jen Aiden says it. So I'm wondering, is this something that Jen Aiden knew the whole time while filming? Or is this, you know, post-realization, post-production realization? Maybe Jen Aiden and Bill had a conversation after reunion. And maybe it's like, he's just like, babe, I have such a long day cutting and sewing up all these artificial people. I just want to come home and relax, have a drink, and then I'll come inside and greet you. That's all he had to say, but he did not say it. Jen Aiden says that she is happy in her marriage. Marge says that she thinks that she believes that this is the kind of marriage Jen Aiden wants. I believe that's true. I'm sorry, you know. And it's, you know, it's a cultural thing. Jen Aiden is Turkish. You know, it's a cultural thing, cultural thing. What we as viewers might want or might not want in relationships might not be the relationship you see before your eyes on television. But I respect Jen Aiden. I respect Bill Aiden. I love them as a couple. I like Bill Aiden. I just think that he was not really clocked in this season. He seemed checked out. Bill, ben, Bill Aiden was checked out and in the guest house. And the whole thing with Jen Aiden not knowing what Bill is doing in the guest house when he comes home from work, to me, it made it seem like Bill Aiden was up to some trickery in the guest house. Was I the only one that thought this? Like, I'm like, uh-oh, what is Bill Aiden doing in the guest house? And he's just trying to relax. 
He's just trying to relax. So then we get to Andy asking Marge about calling Jen Aiden a drug addict. I do believe that Marge was wrong for calling Jen Aiden a drug addict. These are one of these dirty, you know, Margaret Joseph, she she her 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 latchbacks are vicious and they they cut you. Cut you like a knife, but like garlic is smeared on the knife. You know, I, I think I read this on the internet and there's a lot of things on the internet that aren't true. So I don't know if this is true, but I read that like if you if you like put garlic on the blade of a knife and you cut someone, the wound won't heal all the way. I compared that to Margaret Joseph's words because they cut deep and I would not want to be on the receiving end of those lashes from the Margaret Joseph's. I, I just wouldn't. So then, <laughs> but yeah, sorry, I was jumping ahead. I don't like that Marge called Jen Aiden a drug addict, especially because all she likes to do is toke it up once in a while. And it's legal in the state of New Jersey. And I believe that sometimes Jen Aiden could use a joint. I also believe that Margaret Joseph sometimes could use a joint. Teresa could also use a joint. There's a couple of people on this cast that could use a joint to just like relax and chill out because they're just like, you know, like just just chill out. But we know Margaret Joseph, she does not partake in any extracurricular activities. She does not even drink. And then Jen Aiden goes into some ridiculous rant about Marge giving old lady energy. I'll let her have that. It's not worth mentioning. Marge reveals that her child was called and threatened by at work by Louie. And Marge has receipts. She has phone records. This is the second accusation made about Louie in part two of the reunion. And it's weird. It's a weird accusation. Why is Louis calling the child of Margaret Josephs and threatening? You're not the one. I'm not the one you want to mess with. Like, what is this? Is this the mom? Is this the Sopranos? Who is Louis? Who is this man? And I have to be honest, I hope that Louis can vindicate himself in the next part of this reunion of all the accusations that are coming his way. But right now, it is not looking good, sister. It's not looking good. It's weird. And I'm fearful that Louis is going to be detrimental to Teresa. But one thing I have to point out, Dolores is staying out of it all. You see things going down on the couch next to her, words being exchanged from across the room, daggers being thrown, and Dolores is just sitting there with a smile on her face. She's like, I don't want anything to do with this. Dolores has taken a step back this season. She's like, I'm in love. I'm building my relationship. I found me a man. I have no time for the drama. But Dolores... I need you to get back in the fray. What happened to the Dolores that gave us back, gave us welcome back scumbag when Danielle Staub came back to the Real Housewives of New Jersey? Welcome back scumbag. 
I want that Dolores back. I like a happy Dolores, but I want a scrappy Dolores. I want Patterson, New Jersey Dolores. Can she come back to the show, please? So Marge then, Marge and Teresa start going at it. They start saying really nasty things. A lot of it is being bleeped out. I have to say, this is why we need an uncensored version of All the Housewives on Peacock now because they did it to us with Vanderpump Rules. Marge is like, I don't want to see his shame of a face again. And she says to Teresa, you're a scammy bullshitter. You're a criminal. You're nasty. You're disgusting. And in this moment, Teresa is struggling to produce words. I have no idea what Teresa is trying to say, but it's not making any sense. But she's like, you're a scammy bullshitter. You're a shame of a face. You're a criminal. You're a grifter. And then... Jen Fessler and Jackie were out of there. And honestly, I forgot they were even in the segment because that entire segment was a shitstorm, And they only contributed to the first five minutes. If I were Andy, I would have been like, you girls can just leave. <laughs> There's nothing more for you to bring to this, this episode, this spectacle. Go backstage. Thank you for coming. We'll see you next. We'll, we'll see you next season, maybe. Yes, for Jen Fessler, maybe for Jackie Goldschneider. We'll see. We'll see. And then Andy goes to Louie backstage because the men are getting ready, getting ready, getting ready, dee, 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 dee. The men are getting ready to come out on stage for part three of the reunion. Andy goes to Louie and says, and uh, I have to say, Louie is looking less red at this reunion, so shout out to Louis Skin for getting uh, its thirst quenched. Um, I hope he is using sunblock. Maybe he needs to use SPF 75, but Louis is looking less red, but he is still a walking red flag. Andy goes to Louis and says, he's afraid it's gonna get physical. I don't think it's gonna get physical, but you never know with the Real Housewives in New Jersey. You never know because they get scrappy on the Real Housewives of New Jersey. Whether it's a christening, a country club, a family retreat at Lake George, they get scrappy. So I understand Andy's like, listen, just come out on stage, do your whole spiel, get crazy, get those crazy Ramona Louis eyes and just like give us a show, but don't get physical. I don't have time for it. I'm exhausted. I have two kids to go home to. And that was part two of the Real Housewives of New Jersey. So now we have the Real Housewives of Orange County. This is season 17, episode one, titled, Here Comes the Judge. So the show opens up with Tamara Judge's big return to the Real Housewives of Orange County. And she is riding on a motorcycle and she arrives to her home with her husband, Eddie Judge. Tamara is back, everyone. And by the looks of this upcoming season, Tamara's uh, activated this season. She's throwing napkins in people's faces. She is slamming glasses down on the table. Tamara is 
screaming at people with veins popping out. Listen, I listened to two T's on in a pod, and I've heard Tamara say that you know she she went back into the season with an open mind and a different perspective and the realization that you don't have to come for people or try too hard for the camera. And based on what we have seen on this upcoming season, uh, that plot fell flat. But, you know, listen, Tamara, who, who comes back onto the Real Housewives of Orange County after being fired after being on the show for 12 years to play play it meek and be like, you know, you know, different perspective. I don't have to come for people. Tamara, you joined the show in season three coming for people. You should be rejoining the show <laughs> at season 17 coming for people. That's what we expect from you. So Tamara shares that her and Eddie's gym clothes that was called Cut Fitness due to COVID As you guys know, California had some very strict COVID lockdown, not laws, but rules. And of course, no one was leaving the house. And so if you have a gym, no one's going to come to it when you're in the mid and when you're in the midst of a worldwide pandemic, even though their own governor, Gavin Newsom, was at a party during the COVID lockdown, uh, you know, with a bunch of millionaires. This is not a political show, but sometimes I like to point out the hypocrisy with politics. Um, I have to say that Eddie seems a lot more comfortable on camera. He seems happy. I know last time Tamara was on the show, Eddie hated these broads. He did not like most of them. And of course, because some of the housewives were spreading spreading rumors about Eddie. Uh, So yeah, Eddie seems more comfortable. And Tamara's mom, Sandy, whom I love, she tells it like it is. You see where Tamara gets it from. Sandy is living in a casita, which I guess is like a guest house in the back of Tamara and Eddie's house. These Orange County ladies love themselves a casita. Maybe it's a California thing, but is a casita a guest house? I assume a guest house is a casita, but casita is the California word for guest house. Let me know. If you're listening, let me know. I hope you're listening. So then the conversation turns into about boning, and Sandy has a new boyfriend, good for her, and apparently she is getting it in in the casita, and basically... Eddie and Tamara's mom, Sandy, have this banter of sex jokes that goes back and forth between them that makes Tamara uncomfortable, rightfully so, rightfully so, because it made me uncomfortable. And then Eddie starts humping a chair and being like, babe, don't you remember how we first met? Huh. Good opening scene, right? (laughs) Let me know if you think it was whack. So we get to Shannon and Emily meeting up for a hike. Shannon and Emily are catching up. They start walking and Shannon is giving her dog water out of a plastic Tupperware bowl. And Emily decides to drink out of the dog bowl. Emily says in her confessional that she's always heard dogs have the cleanest mouths. So she shares spoons, forks, and plates with her dogs. Um, Emily? What are you going to start doing next? Sleeping in a dog bed? Eating dog food? Are you going to start sniffing your husband's butt? Licking his butt? 
Are you going to start licking your own privates, Emily? I just don't know if I would share a dog bowl with a dog. And I say all those things. You may think that that sounded a bit crass and nasty. But, like, the point I was trying to make that... Dogs do a lot of things with their mouths. If you have a dog, ever seen a dog, been around a dog, dogs' mouths go everywhere they want it to, including the trash can, including the toilet. So I don't know if I would personally be drinking out of the dog bowl. Uh, if you're listening and you've ever drank out of a do- <laughs> drink out of a dog bowl, I feel like I almost spoke tongues there. <laughs> uh, if you've ever drank out of a dog bowl, let me know. I won't judge you. I will judge you silently. And then the topic of Tamara's return comes up. And Shannon reveals the reason why her friendship went on pause, uh, went downhill with Tamara is because she got fired. I love in that moment that they kind of broke the fourth wall because you're like, she got fired from where? The show... The Real Housewives of Orange County. Shannon thinks that Tamara was using her to be relevant. Now, I will say, when Tamara got fired, there was a period of time where she was doing a lot of interviews, including other podcasts, talking about getting fired and the status of her friendship with Shannon. And she did say some shady things about Shannon Storm's Bador. Now, Tamara has also mentioned on her podcast, Two Teas in the Pod, that she was heartbroken when she got fired. I believe that she was camping with her daughter and she got a call from the production company letting her know that, you know, it's not going to happen as a full-time housewife. And she was distraught and she kind of went into a depression. And I couldn't imagine why. Imagine being a real housewife for 12 years. This is all you know. And all of a sudden you get the phone call that you are a housewife no more. When that has been your identity for over a decade, I can imagine that Tamara did not know what she was going to do next, who she was going to be post-housewives. But, like, Tamara had a really good comeback. She started a podcast with Teddy Mellencamp, and the podcast is doing well, even though if you go to their reviews, they get a lot of hate. They get a lot of hate, and I feel like because people don't like Teddy, but that's not what this show is about. But Tamara also said, like, you know, she she felt nasty. She unfollowed all the Housewives of Orange County after she got fired. She felt the need to separate herself from the situation. So I get, based on what Tamara has shared about after she got fired, I could understand why her and Shannon's friendship went down the dumps, especially because who's on the show still? Shannon Storms Bedore. And some of you might feel like, why is Shannon on the show and not Tamara? I like Shannon. She's a little kooky. She's a little crazy. She's been through a lot. She's been put through the ringer. But I can tell that Shannon has a good heart. So... We move on to the Dubros. Terry Dubro tore his meniscus, and Heather is wheeling him around their 17,000-square-foot mansion behind three gates. Heather is tending to Terry in the bed, and Terry starts feeling on her butt. Mm. 
That was a little cringy. I love that you love your wife and you're affectionate for your wife, but maybe it's because it's Terry Dubrow. Like maybe if it was Eddie copping the feel of Tamara, that maybe I would not have the same reaction, but like seeing Terry Dubrow copping the feel of Heather, it just like, I was like, well, no thank you. No thank you. Cut any scene with that happening with them for the rest of the season. Bravo. Go back to re-editing. We don't want to see it. Um, and then Heather shares with Terry that she feels like Gina ditched her after last season. That Gina cancels plans with Heather, then sees her at events and parties on Instagram. Heather don't you know why Gina stopped speaking to you after last season? Because I don't honestly feel like their friendship was authentic. Like, I don't see a world in which Gina Kirschenheider, I think that's her name, and Heather Dubrow are friends. Like, I don't see them traveling in the same circles. And if there was not the Real Housewives of Orange County, I don't ever think that Heather Dubrow and Gina would be friends. I just don't. And so, like, I feel like last season, Gina needed a friend on the show, and Heather needed a friend on the show, so they bonded. And I believe the bond was true. I believe it was real. But, like, not all of these housewives are, you know, chummy-chummy and buddy-buddy when the cameras stop rolling. A lot of them stop speaking to each other until it's time to show back up for work. So that's why I think Gina ditched. Heather. And you see later on this episode that Gina has a whole lot of excuses of why she went MIA. But then we move on to bowling with Tamara and Eddie, and we're introduced to the newest housewife of the Royal Housewife of Orange County. Her name is Jennifer. It's another Jen, y'all. We have Jen Aiden in New Jersey, and now we have Jen on Orange County. And we're also introduced to her boyfriend, Ryan. I'm shocked that Tamara's the one introducing Jennifer as her friend, because in the season 17 trailer, you see the ladies out at dinner, at lunch. They're sitting down at a table. Uh, they're eating. They're drinking. And Tamara is yelling at Jennifer and throws a napkin in her face. So when I'm watching this episode, I'm like, oh, wow. Jennifer is Tambra's friend? Looks like that doesn't go too well. Stay tuned for that. And we uh, find out that Jennifer and her boyfriend met at Tamra and Eddie's gym. So then we move on to Gina popping by Heather Dubrow's. I think it's funny how Gina calls Heather Dubrow and she's like, I'm in the neighborhood. Can I swing by? I have a gift for your children. And Heather's like, no one just swings by my house. I live behind three gates. <laughs> I gotta give your name to the gate, Gina. People don't, don't just show up at my house. People may show up at your house, your casita. There's nothing wrong with a casita. I would live in a casita as long as it had a functional kitchen and indoor plumbing, and we're in 2023, so I believe a casita has most of those things these days. But yeah, I was shocked that Tamara is the one introducing Jennifer. Um, oh yes, I just jumped back. So Gina is visiting Heather Dubrow. Gina and Heather 
ketchup, and Heather uh, kind of gets right into it, which I'm very shocked. Like, I kind of forget about Real Housewives of Orange County after their seasons end. Like, I, I know that Heather Dubrow has no problem standing up for herself and putting her finger in someone's face and telling them about themselves. But, like, I've never known Heather Dubrow to be the kind of person that immediately jumps... Well, actually, she did kind of threaten Shannon Bedore last season, so never mind. Never mind. Um, but yeah, Heather Dubrow goes right into it, and she said she feels like uh, her and Gina got close last season, and then Gina disappeared. And then Gina goes into a long tangent about why she has not been around. She says she went to New York for three weeks. There's something going on with Travis. Gina got sad. Her kids got sad. There was tunnel vision thrown in there. Transitional moments came up. She came to Jesus for a moment, and then she's also been dealing with social anxiety. Um, I think it's a bunch of BS, but that's just my opinion. And then Heather Dubrow, rightfully, refocused Gina back to the issue at hand. Gina reveals that she didn't want to invite Heather to anything that is not fabulous and glamorous because Heather Dubrow is going to decline the invite. That's not surprising to me. Like, Heather's known as Fancy Pants. They live in, like, an almost 20,000-square-foot home behind three gates. Heather Dubrow has her embryos etched in glass in her 17,000-square-foot mansion. (laughs) Yes. She has embryos etched in glass. In her home. When I saw that last season, I was like, I have never seen or heard of a thing in my life. But I mean, like, I think that's also a beautiful and a sentimental way to honor your embryos. I'm not judging Heather Dubrow, but you know, you see a lot of things on Housewives, but I have never seen that before. But I also believe that Heather would decline an invitation if she was invited to something and she did not feel like it was up to her standards, if it was not highbrow enough, you know. Heather's the champagne girl, champagne and caviar, and $40,000 sushi dinners at her home. Fancy pants, hashtag it. So then we are kind of reintroduced to the newest housewife, Jen. We are in the home of Jen, and we meet Jen's full house. There's five kids, maybe six kids, two dogs, two guinea pigs, five foster cats, and a boyfriend. And they are living in the house that she shares with her ex-husband, who lives in Oklahoma part-time, and he works for Jen's family. Complicated. Very, very complicated. And that is the perfect formula for a housewife. Casting was like, yep, this is it. <laughs> her life is dysfunctional. She might have a breakdown. Let's cast her. Let's exploit her for ratings. But we watch it. And I enjoy it. Um, I think it was funny that... Jen's boyfriend was joking around about, like, wearing Jen's ex-husband's clothes, wearing his shoes, should he wear his jacket. I love that he has a sense of humor about living in his girlfriend and ex-husband's house. But I have to say, at least he owns a house of his own. 
And he makes it clear that the goal for the relationship is to move back to his house within a year. There you go. Set those standards, Ryan. Set those expectations. So if a year from then, Jen is not ready to do so, you reevaluate the place of your relationship and you decide if you're still going to be okay with living in the home of her and her ex-husband. So then we move on to Pickleball with Tamara, Gina, and Heather. Pickleball is taking over the world. You know, if you've listened to this podcast, I love me some tennis. I'm not just a tennis I'm not just a tennis junkie that watches, you know, U.S. Open, Australia Open, French Open, and uh, what did I miss? Wimbledon. I am watching Indian Wells. I'm watching City Open. I'm watching, I watch the tournaments. I subscribe to Tennis Channel Plus so I can watch all the tournaments and all the exhibitions that happen throughout the year. But one thing I noticed when I put all, go on the Tennis Channel app now is that there is a pickleball section. And all I hear about is people playing pickleball. I still want to learn how to play tennis, so pickleball is going to be second on my list. But I enjoyed watching the girls play a game of pickleball. And I love that Heather Dubrow had a picnic basket packed after the pickleball game Brought to her by her driver. Fancy pants. Then Heather mentions that she will be bringing Shannon to Jim's yoga retreat. Now, I have to admit, when I heard it was going to be a yoga retreat for Jen, the new housewife, I was thinking at a resort. Yeah, I was thinking at a resort. And it was in the park, which is cute. It's cute. But, you know... A retreat usually means like another location that's a hotel and a room and, you know, not in a park. Not in a park. But she's new, y'all. She's new. Jen's a new housewife. She's going to learn. And I'm surprised that no one meant, uh, actually, someone did mention that. Oh, I thought this was a retreat. This isn't a park. Yeah. It's okay. We'll forgive her. Just this time. Just this time. <laughs> um, and then Tamara mentions that she had a lot going on in her life and that Shannon wasn't there for her when she was going through all these things. I was a little confused by this moment because Tamara's going into like all these moments that she felt like Shannon was not there for her. But these were like moments from seasons past, like moments that we saw shown where Tamara was having a conversation with Shannon at the moment about not feeling supported by Shannon. So I feel it's a little lame that, like, Tamara's like, oh, she wasn't there for me all these times, and that's why, you know, I dropped things with her. The story is kind of changing a little bit, if you have not noticed. The story is kind of changing. And this is the moment when I realized that the central storyline to the season is the dissolution of Tamara and Shannon's friendship. That's concerning to me a little bit because I'm like, is the main storyline this season really the fact that Tamara and Shannon have not spoken for two years? What is this, high school? Like, I, I hope there's more. I know that, like, 
Tamara throwing a napkin and Jen New Housewife's face probably has nothing to do with Tamara and Shannon's friendship. So I'm hoping that this is not the central storyline. But we're giving a lot of energy in this this first episode. I was about to say the fourth. This first episode, we're giving a lot of energy to this breakdown in the friendship between Tamara and Shannon. (laughs) And my friend Jenny, my good friend Jenny McCoon, we've been friends since the seventh grade. She even texted me while I was at work today. And she was like, "Uh, is this season really going to be about Shannon and Tamara's friendship? Because I'm not interested. I just laughed because it was funny. But I agree. I agree with you, Jenny. Shout out to Jenny. Part of the reason why I'm doing this Housewives, well, not this Housewives podcast, this Bravo podcast, because Jenny, too, has been watching Bravo for years. And for years, we have been texting back and forth about shows on Bravo. Talking crap, sending memes, laughing, (laughs) insulting Housewives. Lord, if if we could publish those text messages about shows on Bravo, that's a book right there, Jenny. That's a book. A New York Times bestseller. We could go and watch what happens live and promote it with Auntie. That sounds like a good time. Um, so, oh my gosh. Whew, I have to get some water, y'all. My mouth is dry. So, yes, I'm hoping that the central storyline is not Tamara and Shannon's broke down and defunct friendship. Uh, But Heather says for the past several months, Shannon and her have gotten closer and she's in a much, much better place. Tamara's like, I don't know, girl. We'll see. So then we get to Jen's yoga retreat. The ladies arrive and they greet each other. Tamara and Shannon have an awkward hello. (laughs) Awkward. And I think it was hilarious to watch Shannon try to do you. Like, there I go, stuttering again. What is going on? I think it was hilarious watching Shannon try to do yoga. That would be me. I have terrible balance. If you don't know me, and I say that because people listening are my, like, friends and family. And there's some strangers around the world tuning in twice a week to listen to this podcast. Shout out to you guys. Um, But since you don't know me, some of you, I trip and fall very easily. I stub my toe on things in my apartment all the time. I could walk down the street and roll an ankle. It, it, It happens. Some of my friends have been witness to my falling down. And so, like, that would be me at a yoga retreat. I'm going to try. I'm going to give it my best go. But I might tumble and fall like a pile of bricks. So then uh, the ladies are paired up with one another. And Emily and Tamara have a wonderful moment. It was really good. And Emily basically says that this time around, if they really got to know each other, they would become friends. Because they are alike. They are. I just got to say. Sometimes I feel like Emily tries a little bit too hard. But Tamara also tries a little bit too hard sometimes. But like Tamara's try a little bit too hard comes off more naturally 
then Emily's try a little bit too hard. But Emily will confront you. Emily will talk that smack. Emily will threaten to kill you like she did Kelly Dodd a couple of seasons ago. So, um, but I thought this was a very mature conversation and wiping the slate clean with Emily and Tamara. I love this. And so the ladies which I was confused by, going to two separate groups at this yoga retreat, chatting it up, uh, which, again, I thought was weird. Um, Jen opens up about the dynamics of her former marriage. But did you see that in Emily's confessional, that Gina told her that Jen was having an affair, a little cheatation on her soon-to-be ex-husband or current ex-husband? I'm wondering if this affair, this alleged cheatation, was between Jen and her current boyfriend, Ryan. Because, you know, like I said earlier, Ryan and Jen met at Cut Fitness, which was the gym of Tamara and Eddie. So, like, is that where the affair began? Was Jen's ex-husband working in Oklahoma for a family business? And Jen was creep creeping around Orange County, having a little tryst with Ryan. Are we going to find that out this season? <laughs> I bet we are. <laughs> I bet we are. Then Tamara, Gina, and Emily are talking inside, and they tell Tamara she needs to have a conversation with Shannon. <laughs> What's funny is Shannon then walks in, and she's like, uh, uh. Is this about me? Yes, Shannon, it is about you. Shannon's just trying to get her some food, and she walks in, and there's a conversation about her happening. But I have to say, what's interesting in this moment, as ballsy and outspoken as Tamara is, like I said, Tamara will talk that smack, she'll tweet it, she'll say it to your face, she'll throw a glass of wine in your face, I hear her on her podcast talking crap about people, But it's interesting in this moment, well, actually, this whole scene at the yoga retreat, that she's so afraid to have a conversation with Tamara. I mean, with Shannon. What did she think Shannon was going to do? Bitch slapper? Tamara, here is your moment to say what you have to say to Shannon. So say it. Honestly. If it were me, the moment I would I greeted Shannon when I arrived to the yoga retreat in the park, I would have been like, hey, I know things are weird between us, but I really want to have a conversation with you. It doesn't have to be here. We can plan to have, you know, lunch, drinks, a coffee, but I think we really need to have a conversation because I don't like that I show up to a place that you are where you are. And we can't even be cordial, and it's awkward. I don't want to come into this situation like that. If I were Tamara, that's what I would have said. But Tamara chose this this moment to be like, hey, I miss my best friend. And Shannon's like, don't cry, girl. And then Tamara's like, my dog died, and we closed the gym. And Shannon's like, oh, really? That's terrible. When did this happen? Shannon, unless you've lived under a rock, 
then we all know cut fitness closed down. I mean, I understand that maybe Shannon didn't know the dog died, but you knew Cut Fitness closed because I saw that Cut Fitness closed because it was all over Instagram when it happened. I did not know that Tamara's dog died. I think the dog's name is Bronx. I, I don't follow Tamara on social media on my personal Instagram page. I do follow Tamara on the podcast and Instagram page. Oh, if you are on Instagram, we are on Instagram too. So give us a follow at Bravo T with Jared B. We are also on Twitter at Bravo T with JB. But back to the show. So, yeah, I if I were Tamara, I would have just, you know, came forward and said what I had to say so me and Shannon could have a conversation so, like, we can cut the BS and put on a show worth watching. Um, and so... Oh my gosh, what was I saying? Oh yeah, Tamara starts crying. She misses her best friend. Shannon says that uh, she doesn't want any hardships and she suggests getting together to talk about it. And we come to the end of the season 17 season premiere of The Royal Housewives of Orange County. Now, I have to say that I re- I watched the Peacock version it's an extended scene version on Peacock. They're doing some things at Peacock. Peepop. Peepop. Peacock and Bravo are doing some things. We're getting extended versions on Peacock, which I love. Um, I would like uncensored versions, Bravo, on Peacock. That would be the next move for me as a fan of these shows. I would love to watch the uncensored version of Real Housewives shows. Think about it, everyone. Of all the shows on Bravo, think about it. It would be so good. But yes, we see upcoming next week, Shannon and Tamara have a sit down and things look like they're going to get on and popping. Things look contentious and I'm looking forward to it. Now I have to let you guys know that I am filming this portion of the pod um, what day is it? Thursday evening? So I saw the ratings for the season premiere of the Royal Housewives of Orange County, and they got over a million live viewers, which I don't know if Orange County has hit those kind of numbers with the season premiere or throughout their seasons in, in, in quite a while. So that's a clap if that sounds weird. I'm... I'm giving the Real Housewives of Orange County a round of applause. Now, maybe it helps that it uh, it came on before Vanderpump Rules, part three of the reunion. Maybe that gave it a little boost. Um, but yeah, good for Orange County. Listen, I'm looking forward to Orange County. If you listen to my first episode, then you know that Orange County is on the bottom of my list in my housewife rankings. You may think that I'm crazy. You may want to throw tomatoes at me for having that kind of opinion. But, you know, I have that opinion because RHOC is the OG housewives show. They were here first. They have been on the longest. They are, they were the blueprint in the beginning. But in my opinion, 
Orange County has had some flip-flop seasons. It hasn't necessarily been consistent. And so because you are the mainstay, because you are the original, because you are the OG of the situation in the Housewives universe, I'm going to hold you to a higher standard. But I have to say, I'm looking forward to this season. I enjoyed the season premiere. We were reintroduced to the ladies, reintroduced to Jen. Well, not reintroduced. We were introduced to the new housewife, Jen. We saw the beginning of tensions flaring up. That's between Shannon and Tamara. Heather Dubrow confronted Gina about ditching her, ghosting her after last season. And then we see Emily reveal that uh, possibly Jen cheated on her husband. That's the word on the street. And that was Real Housewives of Orange County. Now we have Vanderpump Rules. This is season 10, episode 18, The Reunion Part 3. And Lord have mercy. This this episode (laughs) did it for me. I'm very happy that this is the end of the season. um, Because this three-part reunion was very... It was exhausting. Like, at this point, the yelling, the screaming, the insults became a little bit too much for me. Listen, I had a great time watching it. Um, Shout out to the Shroomies. I met this group of ladies a couple of weeks ago through my good friend Jonathan, and they have invited me to uh, Vanderpump Rules watch parties for the reunions, and I uh, went for part one, and I went Wednesday night for part three, and we had a great conversation. Honestly, that should have been a podcast episode within itself. And so the whole reunion, I was riveted, but I was also like aching inside in a way because it's just like like we're never going to experience something like this in reality television ever again or at least not in the next 10 years so let's get started with Vanderpump Rules so the reunion part three starts out And Raquel enters stage right. Andy starts off with a girl's trip to Lake Havasu. Katie says she invited Raquel to the girl's trip over Sheena because she was interested in forging some type of friendship with Raquel. But Raquel feels like all the girls did bash her on the trip. And I have to admit, they did kind of go in on Raquel, even though she was exhibiting suspicious and shady behavior when it comes to Garcelle's son, Oliver. They, the girls were not nice to Raquel. And this is like taking out Scandaval at the moment. We did not know about Scandaval when this was filmed. So, like, listen, I'm not trying to have Raquel's back, but I, I'm sorry. So, Lala says that she was spot on about everything she sh- she said about Raquel. And she said, I wouldn't trust you around my man. Hi. Hi. Pointing at Tom Sandoval. Raquel said she had a personality shift this summer and stopped trying to please other people and finally started living for herself. Raquel. 
If living for yourself is sleeping with your best friend's boyfriend for several months and while she was at her grandmother's funeral, then maybe you should start living for other people again. And I normally would not suggest such a thing. But when Raquel said that, I was like, what? What did she just say? Did she really just say like she had a a great awakening in her life and just started doing it for herself? Sleeping with Tom Sandoval? And then Raquel says that her actions were pretty human. And the group is like, no, no way. But listen, don't throw tomatoes at me. I agree with Raquel. To be human, to be alive means you're going to make mistakes. We see it every day. Each and every one of us, no matter who you are, no matter where you live, if you are listening right now, we all make mistakes. And sometimes they're really bad mistakes. Sometimes they're unforgivable mistakes. And this cast, each and every one of them, have made human mistakes. I've made mistakes. So yes, Raquel was right. She did make a human mistake. It was just a really bad one. A really, really bad one. And then Tom Sandoval tries to step in and defend Raquel. And Lala and James start yelling for Tom Sandoval to shut up. At this point, honestly, I mean, this is probably hour nine into filming. And the fact that Lala and and James are still so, like, amped up and angry at this point. After all this screaming over three parts, I would have been exhausted. I would have needed a shot of it. And then Ariana tells Raquel, and I quote, to go fuck yourself with a cheese grater. Ouch. It sounds like that would hurt. Like, these are one of these moments where I'm like, yes, I understand, Ariana, you're upset. You're hurt. You are facing the mistress of your longtime boyfriend. But I hope you fuck yourself with a cheese grater. Ooh. 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 That was rough. That was rough. And then Tom Sandoval says, we don't live our lives by logic because we were just caught up in feelings. And that didn't land well. That didn't land the way I think he thought it would. But at least he made everyone laugh. Like, this was a moment that I laughed. And I was laughing that everyone got a laugh out of the madness that comes out of this man's mouth. <laughs> like, Tom said, like, he just really does not know how to help himself. Like, dude, shut up. Apologize. Take your lashings. Even though it's been a little extreme. But just like, this man says some weird, inappropriate stuff. And like, makes jokes at inappropriate times. Like, I've said this in the past. I have not consistently watched Vanderpump Rules. I've watched every reunion. So I've known mostly everything that has happened across the seasons. But I don't know if I could have watched this man over the past 10 seasons consecutively. I don't know if I could have. Honestly. 
Lala stands by the fact that she wasn't the mistress. Lala, you were the mistress. You even called yourself a mistress. We saw it on the show. They just showed it. And that's okay. I mean, it's not okay, Lala, that you were a mistress. But, like, own it and move on. Own it and move on. Because until you own it, people are going to continue to use it against you. Like Raquel has. Like Tom Sandoval has. It's just that it's not landing in this moment because, you know, everyone else and the world considers the fact that Sandoval and Raquel did something worse than Lala being the mistress to her ex-husband Randall when he was married and tried to pretend like, you know, there was nothing going on. Let's not forget, 2018... And yes, she was misled by the man, but she knew she was misled by Randall and still married him. Still said she gave it up after the first night. And then Andy asked Tom Schwartz if Katie asked not to hook up with anyone in the friend group. No, Andy asked Tom Schwartz because Katie asked him not to hook up with anyone in the friend group. So why make out with Raquel? And Schwartz was like, he thought they had chemistry. No one thinks you had chemistry. Like, what is wrong with Tom Schwartz? This guy's a doofus. Like, what is this shtick that he plays on this on this TV show, on this television program? And then Raquel says something not surprising. Raquel's like, I've always been curious about making out with Tom Schwartz from the beginning. Uh, Raquel, do you know that means that, you know, he was married to Katie, he was with Katie in a long-term committed relationship with Katie, and you just admitted on national television that you've always had some type of interest in making out with a man who's been in a relationship. I mean, you're really winning here, Raquel. Winning. Winning. Gosh. This girl. She's killing me. Killing me. And then we get to a lot of semantics about Sandoval and Raquel. A lot of it. Like 20 minutes. 15. 10 minutes. 15 minutes. I can't get my times right. Of just like back and forth and yelling and screaming. And honestly, nothing of it was worth mentioning because we didn't learn anything new in that 10 minutes of just arguing back and forth. Then we get to the rumor of the open relationship. Sandoval says that he never said that. Raquel says that Sandoval never told her that. But you really can't believe anything out their mouths at this point. I mean... If you have watched, I hope you have watched at this point. If you have watched at this point, then you know what the big bombshell is. So you know, especially re-watching this episode for a second time after seeing the bombshell, um, we're never going to know what's the actual truth. We're never going to know. So in this moment, when Tom Sandoval says he never told Raquel that he was in an rela- open relationship, and Raquel was like, no, Sandoval never told me that. They could be lying. They could be lying. 
Then Tom Schwartz mentioned that Lala went downtown Charlie Brown on Ariana in the back of a car while Sandoval was driving. I did not know this. I did not know this. But I was not shocked to hear this. I was kind of shocked to hear this. One of the shroomies had to explain this whole situation to me because I was flabbergasted. I was like, wow. This cast really gets down and dirty. They are down for anything. It is a literal friendship orgy. And they are all down for the games. Put a pineapple at my front door, if you know what I mean. Shout out to Canton, Georgia. When I say shout out to Canton, Georgia, side note, Canton, Georgia is an area well known for swingers. And apparently how a couple sends a signal to another couple that they are down to swap partners is that they uh, leave a pineapple. No, I think they put a pineapple in their shopping cart at the local grocery store and or you put a pineapple on like your front porch or your front door. One of those two. Look it up. I'm not Barbara Walters. Not everything I say is fact. This is an opinion-based show. But I know I read that someplace. And I've heard that from several friends. Look it up. Confirm for me. (laughs) Raquel reveals that she didn't plan on attending the reunion. And you know what? I'm going to be honest. I respect the fact that she did. She has received a lot of hate on social media around the world. And you got to put yourselves in her shoes for, for just a second. Imagine being part of a scandal that is heard around the world. It was trending on Twitter. They were talking about it on CNN. It was written about in the New York Times. Like, this is how big it was. And honestly, if I were Raquel, I would have, like, probably flown to Costa Rica and started a new life. Flown someplace and started a new life. So the fact that Raquel showed up To face everyone, good on her. Respect for that. Then Raquel apologizes again to Ariana, and Ariana starts going in on Raquel again and calls her a dementor. I know you like Harry Potter. Listen, I like Harry Potter too. Last weekend, I thoroughly, well, maybe the weekend before last, I thoroughly enjoyed a Harry Potter weekend. Love Harry Potter. So I got the reference, and it was funny. That moment made me laugh. And then Andy asks if Raquel was in love with Sandoval, and she says yes. Then Andy asks Sandoval, and then we get a long pause, and Sandoval says yes. And then Ariana says something, Grody, and honestly, I didn't know what Grody meant. One of the shroomies had to... Explain to me what grody meant. Apparently, grody means gross. I've never heard this term. Is this like a is is this like a trendy term? Is this like a TikTok term? Because I'm not on the TikTok. I don't care about the TikTok. But depending on how, on how big this podcast gets, I might have to care about the TikTok. Unfortunately, so shout out to TikTok and all the TikTokers out there. and then Raquel gets up and she walks off stage to get some water and 
I don't know why I thought Raquel was going to get up and slap Ar- Ariana or Lala. I don't know why my mind went there. I had to remind myself, this is not the Bad Girls Club, Jared. Even though I could see Lala on the Bad Girls Club. You you guys know, if this was another day and time, Lala, we probably... We would have known Lala through Bad Girls Club. She just happened to end up on Vanderpump Rules, which was a better option for her. But Lala could have made it on Bad Girls Club. Andy asks Sandoval if him and Raquel ever hooked up in their home, and he says no. No one believes him. I don't believe him. And now we know they did hook up in their home. Sandoval then says, although he's happy, all their friends surrounded and supported Ariana. No one reached out to him. This man is crazy. Delusional. Did you, what did, what did you think people were going to say? You think you were going to get a text message from every, hey man, I know this is a tough time for you right now, but we're thinking of you, dude. Keep your head up. No. Sandoval, like this guy is crazy, crazy. Like when he said, we don't live by logic, he's right. There is no logic that exists in this man. And I'm not saying that none of us should live in the moment. I believe in living in the moment, but also believe in firmly having my feet planted on the ground. And Tom Sandoval is floating because he is on mushrooms and he just wants to watch the sunset with Raquel. That's all he wants in a partner. Remember when he said that in his confessional this season? Like, this man is crazy. He's delusional. And then Tom Schwartz is like, Ariana, like, what was it like to have the whole nation support and stand by you? Schwartz, shut up. You're a doofus, too. Your timing is awful. James Kennedy was like, cool story, bro. And then Ariana says it was the only thing that kept her going. She said she couldn't sleep. She couldn't eat. And she had to call on her friends to babysit her. Thank God Ariana has a solid group of people around her. I'm actually talking about the people off the show because I don't know if the people I'm watching on part three of this reunion, part of the Vanderpump Rules cast. I I honestly can't say if this is a a solid group of people, with the exception of Katie. But other than that, they've all, they all are messed up and live crazy lives. A life that I don't think I could fathom living. I would not do 125th of the things some of these people have done on this show and off the show when the cameras aren't rolling. Andy asked Tom Sandoval if he has slept with anyone else since him and Raquel started sleeping together. Sandoval says no. (laughs) Lala and Ariana immediately, immediately start questioning him about other girls they have heard he has hooked up with. And Ariana says, you know who he did sleep with after he and Raquel started sleeping together? Me. And then Tom Sandoval says, yeah, she kept her shirt on. It was really hot. 
I gasped. I was like, did he really say that? Like, what was that? That was a weird, inappropriate comment. Was that a joke? Was that supposed to be a joke? Did he think people were going to laugh? He's such a weirdo. Like, this man, this man really throws me for a loop. I've never seen anything like this on television in my life. This is probably, even though it's not written, this is probably the best written villain on a television show I've ever heard of. And the sad thing, the sad thing is he's just being himself. He's just being his honest, authentic self. What was that comment? Like, what was that for? But guess what? In this moment, Tom Schwartz bends over and puts his put, puts his head in his hands. I hope in this moment Tom Schwartz realized that Sandoval is going to ruin them. If he hasn't already at this point, after that came out. And then this group starts arguing about Raquel's real name. I don't really care about her name. It does not mean anything to me unless... She's part of a witness protection program and had to change her name to Raquel for that reason. I don't care about her name being Rachel or Raquel. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just don't. It was like a petty back and forth. It was unnecessary. And then Andy asked Tom Sandoval when the one night stand turned into a full blown affair, a full relationship. And Tom Sandoval says January. And Tom Schwartz is like, yep. That's when he told me he was in love with her. Thank you, Schwartz. And then Andy asks the question, where does Tom Sandoval and Raquel see themselves going from here? And then here comes James Kennedy. He says, in a poo-poo house, poopy house, stinky poop house, poo-poo head, Poo-poo heads. I mean, this man's timing is impeccable. He is so childish and he can be so annoying, but like he knows when to like have a moment that like breaks the tension where we at home can laugh and kind of just like exhale a little bit because this is all intense. So I'm thankful for James Kennedy. I'm annoyed by James Kennedy. I would not want to be friends with James Kennedy, but I enjoy watching James Kennedy. And then we say goodbye to Raquel. Raquel and Sandoval have quite a moment backstage and they laugh about James Kennedy saying Allie is an upgrade from her. And Raquel says at this point, he's right. And then they have a laugh. <laughs> These two just don't get it. They're like in their own world. They're in like a Louis and Teresa love bubble, but it's just like, it's a stinky poo poo head bubble. And then Sheena comes out. We get final thoughts from the group. Sandoval apologizes to Ariana again, and he, he gives quite a tearful and snot-filled performance. I don't know what to believe from him at this point. Like, in that moment, I want to believe he's being honest, he's being vulnerable, he's being truthful. But at this point, to me, everything is a performance. 
everything is a manipulation at this point. Everything is just trying to have the right narrative. And we saw that Raquel, Raquel confirmed that he and Raquel, my voice just cracked, that he and Raquel worked on the narrative that they were going to say on this reunion. So I can't believe anything Tom Sandoval does and says. I can't believe that any emotion, any tears that comes from his eyes are true. Because at the end of the day, he is only thinking about himself. And then Andy asks Lisa, LVP, where does she think the group goes from here? And LVP says she hopes everyone can find some forgiveness and compassion. Listen, I I don't know about that, Lisa. I don't know about that one. And then the cast takes a group photo and James Kennedy walks off singing, these are the best days of our lives, which was kind of perfect. It was perfect. Like, why is James Kennedy, why is his timing so perfect? Is he the inside man? Does he have an earpiece? (laughs) talking to production, telling him, now, here's your moment, James, do it. Because, like, this man's timing, impeccable. And then we get to the sit-down with Raquel. The main points in this bombshell that was revealed on part three of this reunion, it was not a bombshell. And I'm not saying that... What Raquel revealed is not a big deal. It is a big deal. But at this point, we have seen and heard everything. So what was revealed at the end of this reunion was not really that surprising to me. And the group that I was with watching this live, it was not surprising to them either. Raquel admits that she's been lying about specific things on the timeline. Raquel says she maintained certain lies at the reunion because Sandoval felt like it would be better not to say the affair had been happening for a longer time. We're not surprised about that, are we? Raquel reveals that him and her and Sandoval hooked up the first night in Mexico for Sheena's wedding, and it happened several times throughout that trip. But that first night... In Mexico for Sheena's wedding, that was the second time they hooked up. Because remember, the story was they had not hooked up at that point. Or was the story they had had a one-night stand and then stopped by that point. See, I can't even keep up with the lies. I can't keep up with the lies. And the Raquel says that she never went to St. Louis. I don't know why she keeps on going with that lie. There is a picture. There's a picture, girl. There's a picture. You went to St. Louis. You spent the holidays with him and his family. You've met his mother. You went to St. Louis. And then Raquel suggests, (laughs) suggested to Tom Sandoval that he ask Ariana about adding her to the relationship to to form a thruple. Like this is Sister Wives on TLC. That could have been their spinoff, I guess. And then 
finally, Raquel, she breaks down. And she finally starts showing some emotion. And I have to say that in this moment, I, I was getting a little verklempt. I was getting emotional. My eyes were getting a little watery. They were welling up. Like, in this moment, I felt for Raquel. Her involvement with Sandoval has isolated her from everyone, with the exception of her family. Raquel has no one but Tom Sandoval. And that's to her own fault. She didn't have to do this. But I could see how, because she has no one else but Sandoval, that Sandoval would use that and manipulate her into going along with the story that he thinks is best for them. That he thinks is more palpable for Ariana and even us, the viewers. So in this moment, I'm like, wow. He's terrible. And I feel bad for her. I feel really bad for her. I don't feel... I don't feel bad for the... This is a hard one. I don't feel bad for the consequences of her actions. Because I was going to say I don't feel bad for the the backlash and the heat that she's gotten. But I do feel bad about it. Because it's a lot. But I don't feel bad about the consequences to her actions because of what she participated in for several months. But I'm just like... Wow. And then she confirms that they were hooking up in their house, in the house of Ariana and Tom Sandoval, including when Ariana went to her grandmother's funeral. Why didn't Tom Sandoval go to Ariana's grandmother's funeral? And why didn't Ariana have a problem with that? Hello? (laughs) I love how I said hello like I'm waiting for someone to respond to me when it's just me. I'm the one I'm the one that hello was for. But yeah, that was part three of Vanderpump Rules. I, I just like I don't know where the show goes from here. Because I'm thinking about next season. This season was the biggest season they've had in years. Years, the highest ratings they have had in years. Probably, this is some of the highest ratings Bravo has had in years. So it's like, I'm thinking about what does next season look like? And next season, are, are they going to try extra hard to make it a season worth watching because of how big this current season was? And I'm thinking, what's going to happen with... Tom Sandoval and Raquel. At this point, the only person that would film with Tom Sandoval is Lisa Vanderpump and Tom Schwartz. After Raquel revealed what she did at the end of this part three of the reunion, who's going to want to film with Raquel? Is Sandoval? (laughs) Is he going to want to film with her after revealing all of this? No one's going to want to film with Raquel. She's on an island. Charlie's not going to film with Raquel. That's pretty much the only person she had. So, like, what's going to happen? 
I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen for this show. I don't even know how much time this show has left. When we watched this at the live watch party, some said the show has maybe two, three seasons left, if that. I could believe it. But this is the end of the show. I want to thank you guys so much for listening. What a week this has been. We have the Real Housewives of Atlanta. We had Summer House Martha's Vineyard. We have the Summer House Reunion, the final part. We had the premiere of the Real Housewives of Orange County. We had a vicious part two of the Real Housewives of New Jersey Reunion. We had Vanderpump Rules. Like, what a week. I'm exhausted. But you guys have stayed and listened. We are in this for the long haul. So I just want to thank you all for listening and supporting the podcast. Thank you for subscribing. I I want to recommend, I want to ask that you guys continue to tell your friends, your family, your coworkers, anyone about this podcast. If you know they are a Bravo lover, let them know. There's a brand new podcast called Bravo Tea with Jared B. And you can listen anywhere you can find a podcast. Except we're still working on getting on iHeartRadio and Pandora. We're still working on that. But we're available everywhere else you can listen to a podcast. And I also want to recommend and ask that you subscribe, that you leave a review, leave a comment, give us some stars, five stars, please. I would love five stars for the least. Anything less than four, keep, keep your opinions to yourself. I've said that before. You can follow us on Instagram at Bravo T with Jared B. You can follow us on Twitter at Bravo T with JB. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. And I hope you guys have a wonderful weekend. <laughs>